So anyway, I want to welcome each and every one of you today to Band of Brothers. And, and uh, if you don't know me, my name's Michael Morey. And I'm not on staff. Still not on staff. Ten years. They don't want me on staff, believe me. But anyway, uh, God bless each and every one of you uh, for coming today. Uh, don't forget, even though today is the last message of Band of Brothers for FAC, so, but there, there still is a week to come here, and it's going to be very exciting as we send off and everybody goes in a new direction for the Lord. Uh, next week we'll be doing our normal uh, open mic as the last one, and uh, Kevin and a couple of the guys have uh, contacted some of the original guys that uh, came and uh, they're, we're, we're hopefully they're going to come and honor us with their presence and, and maybe even bring a little food. So uh, uh, you don't want to miss next week. It'll be the uh, final send-off for FAC's uh, Band of Brothers. So um, today, today I'm excited. It's, the, it's actually the last message, right? It's the last message at um, FAC here and Band of Brothers, but uh, because next week's open mic. And, and today we're finishing up our series, okay, called to Righteousness, Integrity. And we're going to talk about Joseph. And uh, it's ironic because I was looking through the schedule, and we're going to talk about Joseph and bringing up Jesus, uh, uh, the, Joseph that was married to Mary. And I was looking through the schedule, and we talked about Joseph before. And I'll get into that a little bit earlier in the season. And, and I forgot that it was me. So Joseph seems to be sticking with me. So uh, today we're going to talk about bringing up Jesus and the righteousness that Joseph displayed that he got from God, all right? It actually, actually, the Bible, the Bible gives us very little information about Joseph, uh, comparatively speaking. Um, he's described as a righteous man. He, he was a carpenter by trade, and he was of the lineage of David through Abraham. He was from Nazareth in Galilee, and he was betrothed to Mary. Joseph served, as you know, as the earthly father of Jesus. He was Mary's husband, but of course, as the Bible tells us, he was not Jesus' biological father. And the Bible makes that clear. And God chose Joseph to bring up Jesus in the normal way that an earthly father would, knowing that Joseph, knowing that Joseph would honor him. Joseph would honor God, okay? And, um, and that he would do so and bring up Jesus showing the righteousness and the integrity that was needed for that task. We'll see that Joseph had such integrity, he did, he had such integrity that he obeyed God even in the face of great humiliation. Not, not too much is revealed in the Bible about his role as an earthly father, but we do know he was an example of integrity and righteousness. Let's look at Matthew 119. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Well, as we will see, Joseph was a man whose convictions were strong and one that lived his faith by his actions toward his wife Mary and toward his family, even when he felt personally wronged, making him, in my opinion, 
a wonderful example of a husband, of a father, and of a biblical example of integrity. God honored that integrity by trusting Joseph the responsibility of raising up the Son of God by bringing up Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for the men that have come out to hear your word. Lord, let them hear your word, not mine, Lord, only the words that come from you and your, and your precious Bible, Lord. And Lord, I, I thank you for Joseph and the life he lived. And I thank you most of all for Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So Joseph, uh, Jesus, I should say, was uh, 30 years old when he began his earthly ministry. And, and the last time the Bible actually mentions Joseph in the relationship with Jesus, Jesus was only 12 years old. Okay? So, so it can be reasonably concluded that it wouldn't be a stretch to figure that Joseph died, okay? Because after 12 years old, he's never mentioned in Jesus' life. Throughout his son, his earthly son's whole mission on earth, Joseph was not mentioned, okay? And, and one of the things that could, have, could be evidence of that, when Jesus was dedicated, okay, as an infant in the, in the, in the, in the synagogue, and he was dedicated in the temple, uh, there was a man there named Simeon who God had promised that he would not die until he saw the Savior. And, um, and if you look at Luke chapter 2, verses 33 to, five, 33 to 35, he spoke to Joseph and Mary. Simeon spoke to Joseph and Mary. Here's what he said. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, listen to this, he said this to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon predicted that Mary's soul would be pierced, yet he said nothing about Joseph. This could be looked at as foretelling the fact that Joseph would not be there when, Mary, when Jesus went through the persecution and cru crucifixion that he did. So from the, time, from the time of Joseph's death until the time he began his earthly ministry, Jesus more than likely was supporting his family, his mother and his siblings, with the carpentry, tra carpentry trade, which he learned from Joseph. Scripture uh, seems to support that Jesus worked as a carpenter before he began his earthly ministry. We can conclude that a father that went through the humiliation and obeyed the angel's voice to raise this son in those days Joseph worked as a carpenter, and we can conclude safely, I would believe, that he taught his son the carpentry trade. It might sound strange, you know, that Joseph taught Jesus how to build things, that Joseph taught the incarnate God how to build things, but, we ought, but it doesn't sound strange when you realize that in every aspect of his life, Jesus yielded, yielded himself to humility, to humanity, and to being a fully man. Let's look at Philippians 6.8. Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Further evidence was that people called Jesus a carpenter. Let's look at Mark 6.3. Mark 6.3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. What's this carpenter doing, you know? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Joseph and Mary? Jesus also prophesied. It's funny, he used the terminology of a builder. Jesus also prophesied that the Jews would destroy the temple and that in three days he would build it back again. Of course, he was talking about his death and resurrection, but his accusers actually used that as evidence against him that he said he was going to build the temple in three days. And finally, even on the night of his arrest, Jesus talked like a builder when he said to his disciples, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And then in Matthew 16 and 18, even talking about his church, he uses that terminology. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So in addition to giving Jesus love and guidance, Joseph also provided Jesus more than likely with a well-needed occupation with which he could make a living. But let's, let's go back and look at how the birth of Jesus actually came about. Let's, let's look at Matthew 1.18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 1.25, the Bible tells us, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Integrity, the angel had told him. Integrity, he knew her not until the baby was born. You know, there's two main characters in the Bible. I talked about that a little bit, both named Jesus. And one of them's in the Old Testament, and one of them is in the New Testament, the one that we're concentrating on today. But it's a little bit of an aside, but I thought it was pretty cool, the similarities. that Both of them had a father named Jacob. Both were righteous. Both saved their families by bringing them to Egypt. And both received dreams from God. As a fact, matter of fact, you remember Joseph, that, who's, who's written about all through Genesis, he was even called the dreamer by his brothers, okay? They both had dreams. And, and there's four dreams recorded about Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, in the Bible. I'm going to talk about them a little bit. Dream number one is recorded in Matthew 1, 18 to 25. 
Let's look at that. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Notice how Jesus responded to that first dream. He believed the angel, and he married Mary, and respected her virginity until Jesus was born. There's no evidence after that that Joseph ever doubted the virgin birth. He heard from an angel. He obeyed. Ordinary man like you and me. Ordinary man that was going to face shame and humility over this pregnancy. But he heard from God and he obeyed. Okay, the second dream from Joseph is recorded in Matthew 2.13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there till I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And what did Joseph do? Once again, he believed the angel. He and Mary fled, in, he, he and Mary and Jesus fled into Egypt and they stayed there till the death of Herod the Great. You know, he could have easily said that was just a bad dream of some kind. You know, I'm not doing that. I'm not moving my family to Egypt. But he was called and he obeyed. And it challenges us when we hear from God, or are we listening, are our ears open to hearing from God so that we can obey? Remember, this whole series, this whole season, ordinary men, God accomplishing extraordinary deeds because they heard the call. And God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. The third dream, Matthew 2, 16 to 18. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. Joseph then arose, took Jesus and Mary out of Egypt into the land of Israel, which is Canaan. Joseph obeyed the call. And finally, the fourth dream is in Matthew 22 to 23. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod. He was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in the city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called the Nazarene. Once again, Joseph heeded the warning because he believed God, and he was a righteous man, he was a man of integrity. And you can't be a man of integrity 
if you're not listening to God when he's calling, and if you're not obeying, if you're hearing from God one way and you're doing your own thing as I so often do, and there may be, a, there may be at least one man here that does the same thing, we can't be at those instances men of integrity when we, when we heed our own call instead of that of God. Yes, the Bible reveals four dreams that Joseph had from God. And without hesitation, he obeyed every one of those messages from those angels. God gave, God gave him those dreams, leaving no room for criticism of the righteous man because he followed each one. Joseph thought it was important to listen to the angel Joseph thought it was important to listen to the angel to abstain from relations with his wife, Mary, as God commanded until the birth of Jesus had taken place. And after the Messiah's birth, God blessed Joseph with four other sons and at least two daughters. The Bible tells us in Matthew that Joseph was a righteous man. This was really, really evident in his treatment of Mary. Joseph could have easily felt disgraced when Mary told him she was pregnant because he knew the child wasn't his. What appeared to be Mary's unfaithfulness to her fiancé would have carried a lot of social implications, a lot of social disgrace. And Joseph had every right, if that had been the case, to divorce her and still be a righteous man. And Mary, by Jewish law, could have been stoned. Even though his initial reaction when he heard the news was to break the engagement, he was going to do it quietly because he didn't want to cause any further disgrace to Mary. But when he heard from the angel, when he heard from the angel, he knew what had to be done. You see, as we already discussed, the angel, God sent an angel to this man that he called righteous. He sent an angel to tell Joseph, what Mary is saying is true. She's conceived by the Holy Ghost, and it's my will that you marry her. Joseph wasn't concerned about the humiliation he was going to face all the days that he was married. You know people, right? You know people. Yeah, Holy Ghost, I'm sure. Yeah, you know. Look at him. It's not even his kid. You know, I wonder who she was with. Okay? Look at the disgrace that he was willing to put up with. Are we strong? Are we strong? Or do we back away sometimes for doing what God calls us? to telling people about our lives and what God has done in our life because we might feel a little bit of persecution or a little bit of humiliation. This man, this man could be an example because you see he showed mercy. He showed mercy. Even when he still, before he heard from the angel, he was going to put her away quietly, not hand her over to authorities and complain and send her to be stoned. He was going to accomplish it quietly. And then the angel got a hold of him and shook him and woke him. Said, Joseph, this is what you need to do. 
see, the truth is that mercy, man, mercy always triumphs, even over judgment. Okay? Praise God for that, right? Right? Christ, when he hung on the cross, in the center of that cross, is when justice met mercy. And when he walked out of that tomb, mercy prevailed. Amen? Are you glad about that, man? Joseph offered Mary mercy even when he thought he was wronged. You see, when we choose to obey God through adversity, shame may be the cost sometimes. It may be. But even then, God leads us through that situation and guides us through that situation, and it brings glory to him. And on the other end, brings victory to us. What a blessing it was for Joseph to be chosen by God to bring up Jesus. Look at Matthew 1.21. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and said, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus is commanded to name Jesus, to name that baby, which which was deeply significant in Semitic law. You see, when, jo- when Joseph named the child, what he was doing is he was acknowledging him as, as his own and becoming the legal father of that child. And as, and as the right of adoption, Joseph's ancestry then was passed on to Jesus. And that ancestry goes back to the house of David, which goes back to the house of Judah, which the Bible predicted that the Savior would come from the lineage of Judah. So by naming that baby, claiming him as his own, Jesus got to inherit the ancestry that came from David, just as the Bible predicted he would. So biologically, biologically, Jesus was begotten by the Holy Spirit, and as such was the Son of God, but legally, He also became the son of Joseph and heir to all the promises of David, who was Joseph's ancestor. So Joseph was a righteous man, and Mary was the Lord's servant. And yet both are examples for us today. Of course, of course, keep in mind, keep in mind that they were imperfect. And they both needed Jesus to save them, just like you and I. But they were faithful. And because of that, think about that, because of their faithfulness, God chose Joseph and Mary to play a key role in his glorious plan of salvation. Men, as we close this session, as well as this series. It's vital right now. Let's talk about right now. Let's take our minds off all the characters we've talked about in the Bible in this season, Joseph being the last. And let's focus our eyes in these closing moments on God's beloved Son and Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came into this world to save us from our sins. 
When Jesus died on the cross, he bore, he bore the sins of all of humanity, past, present, and future, and he became sin for us, for you, for me. And as a result, everyone that believes in him is made righteous, not because we're righteous. He imputes his righteousness to us. He accounts our bank account, any debt that we had, payment in full. The relationship between God and man, which was broken because of sin, was restored by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. But he does so, he does so, if we trust him as our Savior and our Lord. And if you haven't done that already today, I plead, I plead with you now to come and put your faith in Jesus. Turn from your sins and be released, be released from their power by confessing that you are a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible said there's none that are righteous, no, not one. But ask God to be your Lord and Savior. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Will you choose today? Will you choose today to believe, to believe that and accept God's one and only gift of salvation, Jesus Christ? Please bow your heads. If you're here today and you haven't made that commitment, I plead with you. Today, Jesus wants to dine with you. Today, salvation wants to come to your house. It's not the words of the prayers, the condition of the heart, as I always say. And just tell them in your own words, Father, I know I've sinned and fallen short. I know I'm a sinner. Father, I ask you to send your blessed Son, the Son, the Son of God, that was raised on earth by Joseph and Mary. I pray that you send him to me today to be my Lord and Savior. Father, I want, I want to live my life for Jesus Christ. Tell him, today, Father, I will live my life for Jesus Christ. And I thank you. I thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Men, as we leave here today, I urge you, to continually, continually, that we examine our lives before God to see if we truly are seeking God in all that we do. As Micah 6, 8 instructs, are we really doing justice? Are we really loving kindness? Are we really walking humbly before our God? He requires that of us. Men, what is required of us? And Micah 6, 8 tells us, are we really, really loving God with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our souls, with all our strengths? And are we really loving our neighbors and we love ourselves? These are commands of God. Are we really following the Great Commission? 
that God gave us just before he left this earth by making disciples and teaching them all that God commanded them? Are we really, really, really helping men and telling them how God worked in our lives and transformed us and that they can save, have the same hope in this dark and dying world? And lastly, do we really believe that all power has been given to Jesus Christ? And that he is with us even to the end of the age. If we do, if we do, then we will put on the full armor of God. Seek the lost. Seek them. And tell them about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And fight the battle that is raging for men's souls. Not by cowering and running away from the enemy, but by running toward him with the sword of the Spirit in our hands, knowing that the battle must still be fought even though the outcome is determined, and that the final outcome is victory for that universal, godly band of brothers that is willing to follow Christ as its commander. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you challenge us today. May we heed the challenge. May we answer the call. May we put on the armor and take up the sword and seek to, seek to rebuke the enemy and tell men about how you've transformed my life and that they can have the same hope in a dark and dying world. Lord, open doors for us. Men are hungry. They're starving. And the only one that can feed them is your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.